Harry, Harry. Harry, 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 Harry. H-A-R-R-Y. 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 Everybody's favourite Plymouth Highway. That's what you are. I've heard it. I, it's, I've seen it on Twitter, so it must be true. And apparently you love BBWs. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Says the person who called me a Plymouth Hoe. Actually, I've been called it more than once. I'm a BBM. What's that? Big beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> what? Didn't you say... Well, you said you're a big happy fat boy last week. <laughs> that's, a, that's a BAFBA. You just called me fat. I didn't call you fat. You I did s- just call me okay. fat. Uh, one of the stories we're talking Hello, about... Hello, I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a journalist <laughs> and I'm chubby. <laughs> I'm Ben Ando and I'm a BBC News correspondent and I'm... And a BBW <laughs> lover. <laughs> so, OK, so one of the stories we're X, going to talk about... you forgot the word about... X in that BBC. Are you trying to tell us something? <laughs> oh, I am an ex-BBC correspondent. God, I'm not one now. That's for damn sure as mustard. Um, OK, so one of the stories we are going to talk about involves a lady who we'll come on to who is... Um, a thin, a slim lady, and she's got quite wrinkly skin. And you said that she looks older than you do. And I said, yes, that's because she's really skinny. And you took that to mean that I was saying you were fat. And I'm not. I'm just saying Come you're on, guys. OK, her. you're talking to someone in the office if you went into an office because no one does. But you're OK. Or, or any interaction in the checkout, the supermarket, that's where we do go. And they go, oh, you look really nice and youthful because you're caught because skinny people look older. What do you think? It means you look really nice and useful, useful because people who are skinnier than you look older. Okay, point blank. Do you think I'm chubby? Do, do I think you think that... I'm chubby? <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't seen you for a, at least a couple of years. That's right. I can't actually remember the delightful occasion on which I last <laughs> saw your beautiful face, Ben. But you're, but you're. I would never. I would never have called you skinny. Do you consider yourself to be skinny? No, I don't. Okay, the pendulum has swung, and <laughs> between you going, no, she looks older because she's thin. <laughs> anyway, wait, so anyway, coming on to what are we talking about? Not she's been stabbed, but she has to <laughs> go through this alongside me. You've insulted everybody. Oh, is that, no, what, I'm a, is that I'm what you a, intended? I'm a terrible person. What are we talking about this week? We are talking about the lady that we've referred to who was pregnant and stabbed. It's an awful, awful case. A Sutton Coldfield woman who was attacked by her former partner. And um, you'll find out shortly what became of her and the baby. Absolutely. And we're also going to be talking about um, the royals. Oh, we are, yes. This uh, hoo-ha. It's a (laughs) hoo-ha. It's a hoo-harry. It's a who he. Actually, I wish it was who they because it's a bit boring. Well, it's not boring. It's good because we want to offend. Mm. We're out to offend. So we'll be fine. I don't hate the royals, but I don't love the royals. I don't know. How do you feel about the royals? You you want to talk about them because you love to hate them. Uh, Possibly, yeah. You said that, actually. Don't be all coy with me. I think the thing about the rules is you sort of think, well, okay, I don't mind you having first-class travel everywhere and being sat at the front and going to all these amazing events that the rest of us can only dream of. But the deal is that you have to then be on show and be a public figure and be somebody we can sort of talk about. They're our royal family. And, like, Harry and Meghan kind of want it both ways. They want all the trappings. I mean, nobody would give a fuck about Harry if he wasn't a prince. 
I mean, you know, oh, he wouldn't put be... that on pause, Ando. Your bitchy claws. Okay, that's it. Well, shall we come put, back? To put that? them we'll back in. Back t- tuck your bitchy claws away. Coming back to that later. Put your yes. handbag back in the cupboard. <laughs> God, my, my handbag is out and my bitchy claws are unsheathed. <laughs> I, 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 there's lots of side eye going on here. I could give RuPaul a run for his or her money. You certainly could, sister. And I'm I'm wagging my finger around my face as I speak and <laughs> nodding my head from side to side. Okay, Lorraine Cox. Nodding your head from side to side. <laughs> you know the one? Yeah. Girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I have to do a superimposed face on a massive drag queen oh, from no, Twitter. Oh no, he isn't. <laughs> oh no, she didn't. Oh no, she didn't. <laughs> Honestly, you're such a bitch. <laughs> right. A Lorraine man... Cox, murder trial. <laughs> uh, Lorraine Cox, 32. She was last seen on the 1st of September in Exeter City Centre. She had been out drinking with friends and she decided to say goodnight to her friends and she started walking home. However, while she was walking home on her own, she was approached by a man named Azam Mangori, who is also known as Christopher Mayer. Um, they started talking and... Tch- Before you know it, they were having sex in an alleyway off Sidwell Street. And then he invited her to his, wait for it, flat above a kebab shop. Now, you know, I mean, (laughs) I mean, how many times must that line have worked for him? How do you fancy coming back to my flat above a kebab shop? I mean, goodness me, was it the flat or was it the kebab shop that most attracted Lorraine? It depends because he is, he hasn't been in Exeter for very long. So it may have worked when he was in Iraq. Do you think that he has always been a kebab shop sort of flat owner or resident? I don't know, but if you are really drunk, kebab is something that lures girls like sweets lure children. (laughs) I've just got to be frank with you. I'll be frank. Is that that the way to go? So if you had like some kind of... She did consume a kebab before he dismembered her, yes. She had a kebab, did she? She did have a kebab. And they had... The CCTV followed them all over the place and she was like sway, swinging and swaying all over the place, had the sex in the alley and then more swinging and swaying. And, and they did it by shop markers as well. Did so she, it was sort of like... Of, did she drop any of her kebab? Well, it's interesting that we're going from one theme, kebab theme one week to a different <laughs> kebab theme next week and you said did i choose this because you told me that a health worker didn't want to look at my kebab just after i'd had a baby but um i'm glad you like it anyway so the, so the reason we're talking about this the trial is ongoing and um Azam Magori is on trial accused of murdering Lorraine. Now he is alleged to have put some of her, he's alleged to have dismembered her, then put some of her body parts in a bin bag, which he left in an alley and burying the remaining parts under a pile of wood near Newton St. Sires. Newton St. Sires. Can I just say that it's often so unimaginative. Why is it always like a shitty bin bag? Like, he bothered to plan to get sheeting to put down in the kebab shop flat. Why doesn't he bother to get something a bit more jazzy to... I mean, that's just really shit. Yeah, I mean, you, you, he really didn't think this one through, did he? You got Well, he you... did. That's what I'm saying. He got the <laughs> sheeting to protect his floor when he was dismembering. Yeah. He didn't want to pay any costs on the carpet for that flat. That shows just how shitty he is, allegedly. Are you saying he was determined to get his deposit back? (laughs) 
I think that one's gone forever, don't you? <laughs> the defendant's mobile phone, said the prosecutor, revealed that he had looked at images relating to amputation in the days oh. before Miss Cox's death. Okay, and here's well the connection. After. I did ask you to make connections because I thought that you were the mastermind crime fiend. However, it appears <laughs> yeah, to be me. True. Because Dennis Nilsson had a fetish for dead people, as we all know. He was a necrophile. This guy is an ampuphile. An ampuphile. Alleged. Alleged because they said that there's connections. So it's sort of, I think, I don't think it's a concrete thing. But so, it, clearly looking at it on his... <laughs> See, they should really enlist my services before they start off on their... I don't think it's commence. a concrete thing, Your Honour. Where is his defence? That's the It's the concrete defence. That's what Mangori needs. Mangori looked at videos of people with amputations as well as those with deformities to their legs and one of a woman's lower leg experiencing cramp. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? But you can imagine that in court, can't you? Is this lower leg cramp porn? And you can imagine all the jury looking a bit tired when they get to that bit of someone's, like, old leg, standing up with leg cramp and hopping around. <laughs> you are going to hear, said the prosecutor, Mr Simon Laws QC, that surprising as it may sound, psychiatrists have recognised that there are people who have a morbid interest in amputation, but it doesn't say if it was a sexual interest. So I guess it was just submitted as evidence, I suppose. Yeah, it's evidence. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I suppose the prosecutor say he had a, he had this, let's call it a fascination with amputation. Oh, look at that. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. Thanks for the title, pal. <laughs> he had a fascination with amputation. This generation. And... Acrostination. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's past the duchy. It's a fascination with amputation. It's a sensation across the nation that needs no declaration or proclamation. Do you know, the last time we did that, I think producer Phil found uh, that bit where it starts on past the duchy and it goes, nation, nation, across the nation, and put it in. If well, only you case. listened, you'd be weeing yourself with laughter <laughs> as opposed already... to just weeing well, yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man. Who says I'm not weeing myself anyway? We're all weeing ourselves, Ando. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you need to find that bit again. That'd be hilarious. So, Don't so... worry, we'll shove it in again. <laughs> So, a fascin so I suppose that anyway, I suppose the evidence that the prosecutor is trying to put in front of the jury is this is somebody with a fascination for amputation who's been watching those videos. And of course, the victim, uh, who we know is linked to him through CCTV showing them together, um, was found dismembered, i.e. Okay. legs and arms amputated. That's the theory. Anyway, we shall say that. I mean, <laughs> the, the trial continues. Okay, I misheard that as eggs and arms. <laughs> <laughs> eggs and arms. I'm amputating your eggs. I was looking at the kebab house when you said that, started feeling slightly peckish, and then the, the D word came into it and I lost my appetite. I'm looking um, at that kebab house fascia and I'm not necessarily seeing that it makes me feel particularly hungry. If no, anything, it I'm, makes I'm me more... think poor hygiene rating. <laughs> I'm more likely to go and get a career in the neighbouring careers for you. <laughs> Um, I do like the forensic tents next door. Yeah. It's cool. nice that somebody's opened the window in a couple of the flats as well. I bet they're a bit stinky. <laughs> they're like, oh no, the rats are here. <laughs> they, they can smell our pure weed bong. <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. Come on, bro. Yeah. Open a window. Right. Listen. <laughs> Kyle, put things... that out. 
two things that I want to pick up on. First yes. of all, the pair had sex in a, an alleyway. Right, yeah, okay. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, not one to judge. Judgy Wadgy <laughs> is in the cupboard along with her Ben's handbag until <laughs> Megan comes out. But yeah, she's she was walking alone, home alone in the early hours and then meets a guy and goes into an alleyway. Fair enough. If that's your bag, people do that kind of shit all the time. We'll come back to that because I know Ben wants to judge her. The other thing I wanted to say was, yeah, him texting her family from her phone. Yeah, Mr. Laws, Simon Laws, QC for the prosecution said, Mr. Mangori used Miss Cox's phone to try to convince her father and friends that she'd moved to Plymouth to start a new life and wanted no further contact. I rest my case, Mr. Laws. <laughs> what is your case? Well, come on, who's text their dad going, I don't want any further contact with you, just out of the blue? And that was when they contacted the police. Yeah. He's, As, I mean, I'm looking, mm. what do you think of his photo? I'm looking at him. I mean, he's he's got quite the sort of, you know, the, the, the human league early 80s hairdo, hasn't he? He's got a stupid smirk. Yeah, well, he has got a bit of a smirk, I agree. It's like he's pulling a face for the photo. Shame about a face. Why? Why do you want to know what he looks like? He, well, I'm just curious about your thoughts on his appearance. He looks very, very pleased with himself. I'll say that for him. Well, I mean, he's getting girls to drop their knickers for a bag of chips. Or a kebab. I wonder if he paid for the kebab. Oh, maybe he, maybe, he, maybe that's the, the, that was why he murdered her, because she wouldn't pay for her own kebab. Oh, maybe he did it all the time. He was like, I'll oh, buy a kebab love in it. And then he just <laughs> murder them, take the money back. <laughs> the thing is, I know you made it up, but I'm abs- I would bet, I would almost bet my house on the fact that if he did say, do you want a kebab? He would say in it afterwards. Yeah, you know, I know all the lingo, but it's also because I did the um, grooming trials. I did, I did one of the, the the famous Aylesbury grooming trial and also followed some of the the Northern ones as well. Was there an awful lot of initting in court during those trials? Oh my God, in it. Like now I've discovered Islam in it. And you were like, okay, five, five, five minutes ago, you were screwing like an 11 year old. <laughs> now, now you've had an improper dream and you're asking for proceedings to be postponed. Fine, no problem. What's the improper dream? Oh no, He had it, a nocturnal uh, emission. One of, the, one of the Derby lot, I think, off the top of my head. He had a nocturnal emission and then said that he had to do something religious because he felt unclean. You have to cut off his ghoulies. Oh no, it's never like that. He just wanted to day off court the trial continues that's the all the trial does continue and we will come back to it later when we oh can happens. i just say that um mr manguri's other name was christopher mayer it's a bizarre it's a bizarre case and daily updates from court are often so conflicting according to who's you know whether they're quoting the defense or the prosecution so this changes daily it's it's a fascinating case but moving on yeah let's move on Tell me about Mm. the next story, Victoria. The headline, Sutton Coldfield mum recalls being pregnant and stabbed. So it's a while ago, this case, but it was just so... She's just come out and spoken about it five years later. On the 3rd of March 2016, Natalie Queros shared a picture on social media of her rapidly growing baby bump. She was eight months pregnant, looking forward to the birth of her daughter. And life with partner Baba Bobby Raja. 24 hours later, she was being flown by air ambulance to hospital. She'd been stabbed more than 20 times and paramedics feared for the lives of both her and her unborn child. 
So she's talking to this journalist at the BBC and uh, she recalls what happened. It was raining. She was just walking down the street in the middle of the day and she was thinking about shopping, she says. I just remember these footsteps running behind me and feared. she feared she was just about to be mugged. But she felt she was safe because she was at such a short distance away from the shops. And as it was three o'clock in the afternoon, there were plenty of people about. And that's when her attacker jumped her from behind and began stabbing her. She desperately held onto her bump, trying to protect her baby, but described the attack as incessant. Two men intervened and tried to drag the attacker off her, incurring injuries themselves. Natalie didn't know who the knifeman was. Raja, her partner, had disguised his appearance and had a hood covering his face. She told me that she caught a glimpse and thought it was him and then disregarded the idea. And as the others fought with Raja, Natalie tried to escape. Despite bleeding heavily, she managed to get to her feet and stagger away. And after staggering away, she collapsed again and passed out. Uh, The two guys who'd been holding the attacker said that they thought I'd gone, that they thought it was it, that I'd died. Raja managed to fight off the two other men and came at Natalie again, just as she regained consciousness. I put my head down and he pulled up in front of me and then he crouched down and began the attack again. Natalie doesn't remember much of what happened next and a third rescuer had run up to Trinity Hill, it says, and joined the two other men, finally stopping the attack. Westminster Police... I would say this is just an horrific story. I know it? it's, it's unbelievable, awful. and and he's she suffered eleven chest wounds. Her right lung had collapsed, and she'd also been stabbed in the liver and uterus. But how? I mean, that's terrible. But how fortunate with all of that damage, she and the baby survived. Well, so, I mean, yeah, yeah that, that's the that is kind of the um, I don't know if you want to call it the punchline, but that's the great part, mm. part of this story is that the I mean she, she was stabbed in the uterus, but her unborn child survived and is now five years old because this happened in 2016, mm. and uh, the daughter can't be named for for obvious reasons, um, but um, they've recently celebrated the little girl's fifth birthday, and I, I found it interesting to read how. Uh, Natalie is talking to the little girl about what happened to her. And of course, uh, she was um, delivered early um, because the injuries that Natalie suffered meant that while she and the child survived, the child did have to be delivered that day. She couldn't carry on with the pregnancy. And it's just an amazing story of Mm. hope, really. Just incredible. But then, I mean, obviously the first thought in your mind is what motivated this man to do this? And apparently when Roger pleaded guilty at Birmingham Crown Court to attempted murder and was jailed for 18 years, um, it came out that it was because he felt he was being forced to choose between his conservative Muslim mother's faith and the love of his life, i.e. Natalie. Um, So that was said to... Are Are you buying that? I don't know. There's This man has got more going on. Yeah. than that. I don't opinion. buy that at all. That's just a load of fucking bollocks, that is. He's just a total shit. I don't know what was wrong with it. I mean, come on. Did you say that on the BBC? No, I did not say that on the BBC. I don't actually recall... I don't think I reported on this story. I think I probably wasn't doing Midlands cover that time. But, I mean, you know, this is... OK, so surely he could talk to his conservative Muslim brother and say, I've met somebody who is not a Muslim and I love her very much and that's that. And just and he has, and he has to be big enough to handle that. And he either handles being rejected by his Muslim mother or he um, finds some other way through it. But you don't then go and just try and murder your the, the supposed love of your life and your, un, your own unborn child. I mean, that's just vile. 
So yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, he's little, little sympathy coming years. from your corner then. No, then. no, no. You're <laughs> right. Absolutely, very little sympathy coming from my corner. Um, it's a, it's absolutely what I like about this is actually it's got a silver lining, and the little girl is roughly the same age as my little girl, and you know, just it, it of course has a little added impact when we were, her and I were pregnant at the same time. But I just can't like this woman, and it's got an even happier ending in a sense that she's set to marry a guy after these restrictions lift so I can't believe like what a trauma to go through and this woman's still like picking up her life and meeting someone new and the little girls she's described as a funny little girl with a big heart I mean what a lovely story in the end it's horrific and it just turned around and I love that so she knows that mummy, the little girl, know, uh, this is what uh, Natalie says. She, she says about her daughter, she knows mummy got hurt on the day she was born. She knows it was very serious that mummy went in a helicopter and she knows that what uh, because of what happened, she had to be born that day. So, yes. And, and you know, since then she's done fundraising and she met her new partner um, who she is set to marry now um, through her fundraising work and through raising awareness. So, um, you know, there there is a, a sort of, a, there is a, a, a a happy note to the end of this story but it's still a shocking story it is it's a shocker but Moving anyway on. let's go and tear stri- strips of other people <laughs> ha- you love harry and megan i don't know what i think i'm in such a quandary i tell you what harry's eyes are getting i think my, uh, Harry's <laughs> hello hello okay. say it say it well, the thing about Harry is that I always thought Harry was really good looking, really sort of like, you Did know, you fancy dynamic. Him? Well, I wouldn't say, say as far as say I fancied him. I mean, after all, at the end of the day, he is still ginger. But I, I kind of, you know, I had a lot of time for him. I thought he was somebody he was, I felt enormous sympathy for him and his brother for what happened back in 1997 when their mother was killed. And I thought, you know, Harry joined the army. He did it properly. He was did no airs and graces he actually served his country um and i thought good for him um but but i've noticed that since he kind of went through that phase and left the army his head seems to have grown but oh, his thank eyes you oh I don't, you grown. don't mean in terms of ego no his head seems to have grown but his eyes haven't so his eyes have sort of just got closer and closer together proportionately in his head and mm. it, i mean certainly that lays to rest all the you know um Oh, what's his name? James, James Hewitt stories. He definitely looks like his dad now, um, which is nice. But I, I just... <laughs> which I, I, is nice. But I'm, so, I'm sort of... <laughs> as I said at the start, I sort of have this idea that if you're born a royal, you take all the plaudits, you take all the privilege, and the payback is that you are a public figure and you have to serve your country in the way that royals do, and which the Queen has done, you know, almost without fault. Um, and the Duke of Edinburgh has done almost without fault. I mean, he's a grumpy old fuck, but I mean, he's he's, he's done his duty. You've got to say he's done his duty. Um, and yet this whole thing is that Harry has now decided, oh, I don't want to be a royal anymore. And, and the thing is, that's great. That's wonderful. But the truth is, nobody would, he wouldn't be on Oprah if he was just Harry the Squaddy from Swindon, would he? H-A-R-R-Y, Harry. You know, he is not just It'd Harry. It'd be great if he was. Squaddy, the ex-squaddy, <laughs> now selling used cars. <laughs> Who knows what he would have got on Oprah? People get on Oprah for a range of wonderful stuff. She is actually quite a, a unpredictable character. Oprah or Megan? Oprah, 
Oprah. Oprah. Oh, yeah, Oprah. Oprah's oh, Megan. Cool. That's entirely o- predictable. I mean, Oprah is Oprah is self-made. She's a successful woman. I mean, you've got to hand it to Oprah. She's got a lot going for her. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just this whole sort of like, um, you know, we want to be left alone. Oh no, we don't. We want to talk on Oprah. Yeah, but now we want to yeah, be left yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah, It kind of. I don't know. It just. It just sit well with what me. do you think like... about the this news about buckingham palace bullying coinciding with the launch of the oprah interview yeah i mean and this is i mean so this is a sort of a there is an allegation here there are double standards so the allegation is that um megan is a, is, is a is a really horrible person to work for and she bullies her staff and she's shitty to them and she walks around and all the rest of it and i can she I mean, walks I she doesn't say, walk around walks around she walks around she walks around jesus christ she's, then. She she's got around. it on her she walks around bullying people <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I can. I don't. I, have, I don't know Megan at all. I mean, I don't know anything about her whatsoever. Um, I've what never do you met think? Her. What's your like gut reaction? My gut reaction is Instinct. that she probably really is a, a horrible person to work for. <laughs> I mean, I just. I, would you want to work for her? Do you think? Do you think? Oh yeah, she's my gal. I'd like to go and work for Considering her. Considering the fact that her half sister is writing a book called Princess Pushy, I think <laughs> there might be touch of truth in that one. Uh, dear Princess Pushy, I'd really love to work for you and have like your dirty laundry thrown at me. Thanks. Having said that, my I do have sympathy with Megan with some of the newspaper headlines that have bordered on being racist about her and i think i do have sympathy there and that is wrong completely wrong the thing is it's called i i I am absolutely not condoning that of course but i do think that any criticism of megan it just kind of if somebody wants to have a go at it they'll say that she's having a go so they would say horrible things whatever color she was you know and they and then people who don't like it often say it's because i mean some of it is genuinely racist yeah, but no, 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 but, but, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but it's the choice of words. I mean, there have been some headlines that have been, um, in my view, quite clearly unfavorably referencing her ancestry, if you like. There have been some um, unpleasant headlines, which I think are bordering on. Oh, I haven't, I haven't really seen, but I, I kind of dip in and out of it. I, I take a, a headline and think, oh, right, there's something else. But when okay, it came so to this... Okay, so here's oh, one. Here's, yeah. here's one. So, okay. so during, when she was speaking about this, this, um, uh, so there's, there's a, a, a sort of a, a biography being written about them from their point of view. And the author of that biography was um, interviewed who said, describing Meghan's experience with the UK media, the writer said it was devastating to her to be attacked in many respects. She also referenced a Daily Mail headline which had described Meghan as almost straight out of Compton. Uh, And of course, that's, you know, a very, very clear reference to an album by a group whose uh, name, the shortened form of it is NWA, um, but we know... But, um, oh, you've got all BBC else. on us now. It was just an overt racist reference, really. You yeah, didn't have yeah, to go yeah. in the BBC style, NWA. <laughs> yeah. But they've, they've treated her as a, as a pawn, really. To, as soon as they got her out there, they made her visit kind of radio stations, which are in predominantly black areas. It was done with little finesse. I thought do you think they were, that, yeah. Do you, do you think that um, Meghan was treated by Buckingham Palace as a sort of a, a token or a trophy? Yes, because I don't think they know how to handle uh, race relations at all. You know, they don't know how to do it and they didn't do it very well. 
I sort of um, vacillate between thinking she's a nice person just trying to get on with her life and um, and then I think, oh, I don't know. All that acting at the wedding as well, that was like severe kind of, oh, camera two. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's like, I'm an English princess now. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of that. But at the same time, I, I just want people to kind of live in peace. But when you, you know what you were saying about, oh, right, okay, you know, well, let's take advantage of this and build us an empire. It's like, oh, come on. And Harry can't, he can't choose one lifestyle for another. I think he's kind of done his own family a bit wrong, actually. Because as yeah. you were saying, like, the Queen, the Queen has done her duty and we love a bit of duty in this country. And... <sighs> You know, and Harry just had to go around and do some royal tours. She obviously whinged about it. You know, she had some right to whinge, but at the same time, they have to earn their crust. The other crust is not for me. And he just, I don't know. I'm not sure that the royal family has ever really wanted to earn their crust. Yeah, fair enough. Or yeah. royal, royal, as you said. <laughs> royal. The royal <laughs> <the> family. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and they've gone a bit Americano now. Have they? Have you noticed, like, him all, doing that interview and stuff? All it's all blue like... jeans and chinos, Pepsi and Oreos. <laughs> How embarrassing was that with him, James Corden, on that bus going, oh, let's have some cucumber sandwiches. And he went, oh, I'm a royal, I don't carry cash. And I just thought, oh, pass the sick bag. Yeah, pass the sick bag, Harry. <laughs> Harry. I cute my ring up. Um, I didn't see that cup. Got James Corden thing on the bus anyway, but it sounds ghastly. I'm glad yeah. I didn't see it. And it's all like actually just either completely leave it out, but don't half do it, you know. And also like they're living. Oh, where do, where do they get their money for like five million pounds? She it's not her salary. Who pays she, for that house that they've got in California? Well, good question. I don't. I haven't got a clue, but it's a very good question. Is she? Um. I hope it ain't us. <laughs> I hope it ain't us. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was an actress, wasn't she? Yeah, but she had like one hit, really, and then she gave it all up to marry a prince. And then I'm kind of thinking, oh, right, she's right on, sister. Hmm? Sister. Do you know right what I mean? on, sister. <laughs> it's only after one ale that I start saying things like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's them taken down a peg or two. <laughs> yeah right I can't We've wait really to see the Oprah thing it'll be nearly oh, hang on when is it Monday but I'm not going to watch it oh you were so are you're so are <laughs> okay interactions I was ready to hate on someone this podcast oh who are you ready to hate on I love her now oh go on she's Emma Murphy do you know oh, who that is? Yeah, right, Emma's lovely. Uh, she's uh, an ITN correspondent. I remember meeting her years and well, years ago. I, okay. remember, I met her. Mm. Uh, hang on, let me finish this. I met her first when we were covering the return of Louise Woodward from America back to her home in Cheshire. Um, and I think Emma at the time was working for Granada Reports, which was sort of the, the ITV local news at that time. Because Louise Woodward was the nanny who was um, uh, tried in the United States for shaking a little baby oh, yes. uh, to death. And she then came came back to Cheshire, which is where she was from. And I remember meeting Emma on that story. And Emma's, Emma's a lovely, lovely woman. Yeah, she's really nice. Nice lady. Okay, well, she has proven herself to be so. Yes, and both those things. Because she's now the US correspondent for... Is she? TV oh, news. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, then Emma. That's brilliant. I was like, harumph. Just before I came up to record this, I was like, 
everybody has remarked on Emma Murphy's mention in Priscilla Coleman's renditions of Court and stuff. She did this mention, so I tweeted Emma Murphy and there was nothing back. And I was like storming up the stairs going, let's let's talk about the fact that people think they're too big for their boots and they don't get back. And there she was. There she was. She popped up like a good one. So I'm obviously going to be annoying Emma Murphy to come <laughs> on this don't. podcast now. No, don't. I mean, that, that's going to put her off ever into reacting. Hang into on, live as we speak. Follow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She'll wish I'd never followed. Oh, you Facebook. Oh, no, Twitter stalker, aren't you? Oh, God. Mm, yeah, don't Facebook stalk. I remember Facebook stalking was a thing of the noughties a bit, wasn't it? No one does that anymore. It used to be really good. You could kind of go, oh, like that bloke that was horrible to me at work. Look at his Facebook. He's got really horrible wallpaper and stuff like that. Now it's not even worth doing that. (laughs) What, because the wallpaper's all got better? It's dead. Facebook's dying, isn't it? Yeah, Facebook's dead on its feet. I mean, tell, tell Mark Zuckerberg that. He'll be broken up. Shit, yeah, he'll sit- say, you no can let me finish sit- say Facebook is dead. I might as well just get out of it now. <laughs> no one wants to sit on my Facebook anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, and on that note, um, uh, uh, yeah, oh, thanks to the usual suspects. And thank you, you lot, for loving us, because we love you. Should we say how they can interact with us, do you think? Oh, no. No. Okay, you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com <laughs> Lovely, lovely. What a beautiful rendition that was. Oh, God. I might just say it because if I decide to cut that one out. Um, <laughs> okay, because on the then. stoma's gone to my head. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got to call it Sotma because stoma's... What's stoma? Some kind of chair. Isn't it sto- I thought a stoma was some kind of a tumour or something. I love you, stoma. Strawberry and lime, Scandinavian style cider. Um, <laughs> you get me through the podcast. <laughs> it's the only but thing that does. Me oh no, I know what a stoma yeah. is. A stoma what is, is an a stoma is an opening in the abdomen that can be connected to either your digestive or urinary system to allow waste, urine, or feces to be Aww. diverted out of your body. It Bottoms looks... up to the future, everyone. Hey, oh, it's, it looks like a sphincter. It looks like a small, cir- <laughs> pinkish, circular piece of flesh sewn to, your, sewn to your body. It may lie fairly flat to your body or it may protrude. Oh, my, my stone is protruding. <laughs> I knew that. I could guess just by looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, if I actually had a stoma, I wouldn't have had to look it up because I assume I would know what it was called unless that was a cunning double bluff. Oh, my God, I just can't keep up with you. Well, that's a bit shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you said last time. I got my stoma out. (laughs) I know, but you thought all the girls love a stoma and they just don't. They don't like a pissy old man. man (laughs) Surprisingly enough. (laughs) I'm going to get my stoma out and wave it around the room, saying, come on, girls, get a load of this. Well, I don't know. I think your tactics have changed since uh, the pandemic. (laughs) Can you not stomach my stoma? No, but as you said, I feel a bit bloaty today. It's making me feel worse, all this stoma talk. Okay. I think I... Uh, well, do you know what I think I need? I think Astoma I need... Astoma La Vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're so happy with that. I hate it. I am. Uh, do you know what I think I need? I, I need a need. sourdough pizza. Oh, you do need a sourdough. That'll get you, you back on your pedestal. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, it's Soap pizza box. right here, and I am having a sourdough pizza with rocchito peppers and Italian salami. Rocchito be... peppers? Do they go... <laughs> it's, not, 
<laughs> quite possibly when they're exiting my stoma. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the the Rockito peppers go in one side and 20 seconds later, they're <laughs> across the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really, Where are they I'm from? Already, I'm already quivering with excitement about my um, salami pizza. Well, it's Marks and That's Spencer's. a really sad thought. I know it's pathetic, isn't it? What? Um, <laughs> where that's are they what from? It's come to. Where are what from? The Rakita peppers. No, the sourdough pizza. Marks and Spencers, as I've said about three times now. I should listen. Um, Marcus et Spencius. Oh, that leads me on very nicely to a message that I got via Facebook, and it was like Marks and Spencers something or other. And so I go into uh, my messages thinking, oh, you know, it must be an offer. I do like Marks and Sparks, and. Yeah. It turned out to be Mark Spencer, who was a sugar daddy, trying to trying to uh, recruit my services as a sugar baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere, all these pervies. I don't want to sound unkind, but aren't you a bit old to be a sugar baby now? Aren't your sugar baby days behind you? It's all a state of mind. I mean, when one wears like pigtails and school uniform, one's never too old to be a sugar baby. Never too old. I'm an old baby. <laughs> you're still you're still rocking the pigtails then. I don't know. That's a bit judgmental. How old? How young do you have to be to be a sugar baby? I don't know. It doesn't you're bother Mark Spencer's. Yeah. Apparently, you're the sugar baby. You tell me. Well, I'm not really. I was just like, that's clearly put a round robin <laughs> there. Are you, are, you, are you only as old as the sugar baby you feel? Mm, maybe my order of jelly babies like ignited some kind of response. <laughs> Trigger. Kind of revol- some, some kind of weird algorithm that equates jelly baby with sugar baby. I actually don't like jelly babies that much. Oh, I don't mind a jelly baby. Oh, I can see you doing yeah, that. But I've got, so, yeah, but that's because I've got middle-aged man sweet tooth now. I so does that mean you're a sugar though. daddy? <laughs> seriously you wouldn't you'd be like half a glass of wine that's your lot oh, you'd be like on, drink up you... love i got you a thimble of wine no a single portion <laughs> but i think it's so funny that someone have these attitudes and then you'd be like you'd turn up in your like dad car <laughs> and then you'd be like here's a panda cola <laughs> We're going on a picnic. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not the sugar daddy I signed up for. <laughs> on that note, should we leave it another week? All right, we'll leave it for another week. I'll say goodbye and see you next time. Okay, oh, hang on, have, we have got oh, something yes. to say though, haven't yes, we? What was we that? have got something you to say, to which say is say something. Well, you'll go. well, two things. First of mm. all, obviously, it is coming up to my year, oh. but for a... we're very excited about our anniversary. Uh, anniversary. anniversary and what was the other thing there was something else no that was it, was it right? that's my lot okay you're gonna say about someone who contacted you your ex-wife's friend or something oh yeah we well i mean i had a, a sort of friend contact me and say they'd listened to the podcast it wasn't what they expected but they enjoyed it i want to know what it wasn't that they expected loads of fuck 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 <laughs> that, I mean... that one went out to her I'd, l- I'd like to think that we've kind of toned down the fuck, fuck, fuck a bit. Oh, shit, sorry. I wrapped it up again there. You fucked it up again. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 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 bye.